Keep pounding isn't just a slogan, it's a way of life. Ice up, son. Ice up. They want to be the very best that they can be in everything that they do. I think when you have that mentality in the locker room, you can be special. When you have it with your coaching staff, you can be really good. And when it starts with your owner and it starts with your GM, you can be memorable. If I'm moving someplace and we're doing this in Carolina, the first thing I care about is winning. The second thing I care about is winning. And the third thing I care about is you guys are smart. So you, you win a lot of ways, and I don't like to lose it anyway. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the 7 Forecast. We got Matt and Wes with you this week. Corey, unfortunately, couldn't be with us. But uh, we had a little bit of uh, Panthers news this week. Uh, finally wrapped up Taylor Moten's deal. Um, they negotiated a four-year, $72 million contract extension, which brings it total to five years, $85 million. Um, so uh, they locked up their franchise right tackle, and uh, that's kind of been a thing that we've been monitoring for a while now. It uh, seems like the deal wouldn't get done. Uh, news broke last uh Thursday, I believe, two hours prior to the deadline, and they were able to hash this out. Uh, Wes, I know you're excited about this. How happy and uh, what are your thoughts uh, on this contract deal? I had gotten pretty pessimistic that it was going to get done. I, we, we'd even talked in the group message, and I think I just said bye, Taylor, like when, when we were talking about it because the, the, they said talks had kind of stalled. Um, I really expected it to be more in the neighborhood of Ramcheck deal that 500. So honestly, I think to get Moten at 585 versus Ramchek's 500, love, love that. Um, I'm not out. I, there are people that think that Ramchek's better. If he is better, he's certainly not 15 million over five years better, but I am not in the camp that thinks he's better personally. Um, I love it. I'm happy. Uh, leave him be at right tackle. I don't care what you paid him. That's another discussion that plenty of people are having too. Um, but glad it got done. I'm happy to see Taylor a Panther for five more years. Yeah, that was something that we didn't think would happen. Uh, I know a lot of people um, had reported that he was willing to play out uh, this upcoming year under the franchise tag. And then when you have Darren Gant go on WFNZ and say that, well, you know, Taylor's not uh, better than Ramchick. And, you know, so that's not necessarily things you want to hear coming out of a, a team you know, employee or, you know, having those things put out there and reported. So um, I, I'm, I'm ecstatic that we were able to get this done. Uh, I'm not mad about the price tag at all. We do have a lot of cap space coming up. So you have to spend that money and you have to spend those money on that money on uh, good players. These are good young players at a position of need um, and some things that we've mismanaged in the past, you know, letting young guys uh, walk. I mean, you can think of instance for giving uh, Shaq Thompson's uh, him, him, him a contract versus uh, letting Bradbury walk and then he turns around and becomes an all pro or a pro bowler. So very happy to get it done. Uh, I don't have any complaints about the tag. This is what you had to do. You couldn't uh, just let the guy walk. Uh, I really don't understand the whole plan of uh, moving in the left tackle and having Brady be the, re the right tackle. Um, you keep him on the right side. 
and, and let this thing play out and sure up that side. And we'll worry about left tackle. Either one of the options that we have on the roster this year, maybe Brady um, becomes that guy, even though the report out there is that they see them, him more as a, a right tackle or a guard. So this could be a, a thing where we're addressing next year in the draft, uh, hopefully taking a left tackle early and then sure up the rest of that line. So that's our, uh, our thoughts on uh, Taylor Moten. But what we wanted to really kind of talk about today is we focused on the offense last week. Now we're going to focus more on the defense and, and kind of how we think things are going to project going into training camp. Um, talk about some guys that you think are going to make that next jump, uh, who the biggest uh, immediate, immediate impact guy uh, that we brought in from the offseason. Um, so I think things are, are pretty cut and dry across the defensive line on, on where you're going to see the starters uh, open up things at. Uh, you'll have uh, Brian Burns on one side, Hassan Reddick on the other side, and in the middle with uh, Derek Brown and most likely Daquan Jones, unless they decide to put Bravion Roy in there to open things up and just kind of spell those guys. Um, what do you think, Wes? Yeah, I think the really the only – the only place that, that, that could, it could be different is, is like you mentioned, Daquan or Bravion. I think what the other three are pretty much locks to start across, uh, across that front. Um, I will say some of the, some of the sites have us kind of line are differing in, in, in how we're going to line up this year. Some do have uh, Hassan as the Sam backer and, and pass rushing there and, and having, Eater and, and Burns on the edges, but most I, I think I'm leaning more towards having having Burns and and Hassan with those two and and Eater will be kind of a spell spell pass rush guy. Yeah, now we're talking about the defensive line having probably the most depth on that side of the ball. Um, when we talk about how many bodies that we have and we can give um, offensive different looks, sure. Looking at the edges, I mean, you've got Hassan Reddick, Morgan Fox, Marquise Haynes, uh, Etor, um, Brian Burns. So, do you, I mean, you've got a lot of options. Those are, those are six or seven guys right there that you can rotate in and out. And defensive tackle, I mean, you're probably looking at three. It depends on, you know, what Davion. Four. Yeah, I was, I was going to say Davion. I think Davion gets in play this year. I think you've got a rotation of four there with Derek getting the most, obviously. And they're paying um, – Daquan's deal is pretty, pretty big. I was at 5 million or 9 million. I can't remember exactly. Let me pull it up. I think two years, five or six millions, maybe what's coming to mind. But last year going into the season, you know, defensive line was where some of our biggest question marks were at. So to see things, things turn around, um, you know, that's uh, in, in such a short time, that's, that's pretty impressive. And it looks like it is two years, 4 million uh, on that, uh, on that contract. So I, I think uh, as far as position groups to be most excited about or to expect a big jump in numbers prior to, I mean, aside from last year, um, you know, to make that, that jump, you're probably looking at defensive line uh, because now that Brian Burns has somebody who is a, uh, a threat across from him, you're going to see, you know, teams not be able to double team them. So this is a guy who had nine sacks last year and is poised for uh, obviously a national breakout, finally get some attention. Um, I know that you're high on him and, and what you expect from him this season. So. Yeah. So I think we were talking about it before the, before we started hitting record and, and I, I wish I would have bottled up some of the, some of the magic that I, that I said in that, but um, I, first of all, I wanted to say that Brian Burns is just underrated nationally that you, you look at people ranking their edge rushers, people ranking. Um, I mean, and you've got your big names, you've got your Khalil Max, your, your TJ Watt, your, 
your Bosa's, all, all, all of that. Um, and they're, they're, they get their recognition. They're great players. Um, but Burns is criminally down in the, the, the mid teens in, in 2021 edge rush projections. And I just, I mean, I think you will see some pretty crazy numbers from him based on how this defense is set up, set up around him. I think this year, I think you're going to see like conservatively like 11 sacks at a minimum. So you're, but he's got the potential 12, 13, he's got that, that, that talent. Um, last year you saw 21 quarterback total hits from him. I would expect that to be up in up near 30 this year with that. And I don't know that I care as much about solo or, or combined tackles from a, an edge rusher, but last year he was at 35 and 58. If that grows fine, if not, I don't, don't really care from an edge rusher. Um, but I think he is going to wreak havoc in the backfield uh, pass rushing. And that's all, that's what, that's what he's there for. He's not there for those tackles. He's there to get to the quarterback. Yeah, add in a guy uh, in Hassan Reddick who had 12 and a half sacks last year and six forced fumbles. And uh, offensive line and quarterbacks are going to be, um, you know, having to panic and have to worry about that, that front four all season long. Um, hopefully Burns is able to stay healthy and we get a full season out of him. I know that's something that's kind of has nagged him so far coming into the league. So I'm really hoping that. But when you can have a guy like Marquise Haynes or, or Etor Gross Matos just coming in to spell guys or just coming in on third down situational, um, that, that shows you how, how deep um, that line is. And, and just the speed that's there in, in Reddit, Fox, um, Haynes, and Burns. I mean, good God. Yeah, and, and the health is, is important to note for Burns. But it, like I said, if he stays healthy all year, with when you can't double team him when you've got to consider Derek Brown in the middle and you've got to consider Hassan Reddick on the other side. And I mean, the, uh, the other defensive line depth that we have, you cannot afford to double team him. And, and that's where with him, I think taking that step forward and having a healthy season, um, I, I just really think that you're going to see that huge step forward from him and he's going to start being in everyone's conversation of a top, he'll be he'll be in the conversation for the top 10 but I really think he'll he'll be a top five production type of pass rusher in the NFL he's got that talent and he's got the talent and he's got the tools um the one thing I'll be paying close attention to going into preseason and following it through uh, out the uh, early weeks of the season is how um, we do against the uh, the run that was a big thing that that killed us last year killed us early killed us often um, we just could not stop the run so we obviously have you know the pass rushers now um, I, I'm really interested to see uh, how the defense responds uh, this year and, and, and see if we can't uh, improve that. I know we were down towards the bottom of the league, and if not, we were the uh, league's worst um, there for a while for the majority of the season. So that's uh, that's probably the stat that I'm going to keep my eyes on the most. Yeah, and I think – I mean, we as far as the run goes, we, we still have Derek, we still have Burns, and they're going to be relatively similar. I think Daquan is going to help with that a little bit. Um, and I also think the addition of Perryman is going to help with that quite a bit because middle linebacker was a mess last year. Yeah, I'm just happy that anybody other than Tahir Whitehead is is going to be playing linebacker this year. Yeah, they, and, and that's addition by subtraction. It doesn't matter who you replaced it with. I think they were immediately going to get better. Dude, it didn't. It didn't even take long. It was the uh, the Vegas game last year, the season opener, where he. Um, kept that drive going, like just tackled the guy while the ball was in the air. And I was just like, you know, I'm not, 
I, I, I can't watch this all season. Like, I knew his tackling was bad. I mean, I just knew he was not that great. He was a, a good tackler. Um, I think the year prior he had like 100 tack, hundred plus tackles with uh, Vegas. But, uh, uh, yeah, he was, he was awful last season. And you finally saw um, what the defense could be when Jermaine Carter took his place and Tahir got, got hurt uh, late in the season. Um, it's just nice not to have to watch that the whole year. Agree. Um, speaking of linebackers, though, uh, you mentioned Denzel. He was the uh, the one signing that we did have out of that group. Um, he's going to slide in at middle linebacker and uh, hopefully be the complete opposite of what uh, Tahir was last year. You'll have Shaq next to him, uh, Jermaine Carter on the other side. Uh, now that he's out of the doghouse, um, we did sign Frankie Luvu from uh, – he's a former New York Jet. Really don't know a lot about him. I haven't done a ton of research. Um, I know that he does have some fans out there um, – that that were not too happy about him being let go by the Jets. And then uh, returning, you have Christian Miller, who uh, opted out last season, um, a fifth-round linebacker from uh, Alabama, who had a all right rookie year, nothing crazy, but, um, you know, had some decent film. So this is probably the group that I'm uh, most worried about. Uh, it's either this or safety, but... You've got bodies, I, I think, with the addition of Denzel with, I mean, like you said, Miller had a, a, a decent year. I think that's another body that you can throw at it with. I don't know much about Luvu either, but uh, uh, Jermaine did, did, did do a great job um, filling in last year. And, and Shaq is who he is. Um, good player, not worth the contract he's under, but still a good player and someone you can count on. So while I don't think it's going to be an elite group by any means, I think you've got the bodies, uh, with, with how good the defensive line is going to be and how improved the safe, the, the secondary is, I think that, I think they'll be able to get by with, with, with Shaq and Denzel for them being the main two pieces of that, that linebacking court that you're going to see on the field most of the time. Um, and, and as, as long as health stays for those two, um, I think, I think we'll be fine. Jermaine needs to have a big year, in my opinion. I think he's got a payday um, possibly coming up. So this is his first real chance at actually getting significant playing time and putting good film out there um, to either earn him another contract here or earn him a contract somewhere else. So I expect um, him to probably make a, a big jump. Um, and if he doesn't, then, yeah, that's that's kind of worrisome. But the, the main guy out of this group that I think has to step up is Shaq. Um, obviously, with the contract numbers, um, he's the only guy hanging around from from TD and, and Luke. And, you know, maybe that's why the, the eyes are on him as much as they are. Um, that's not necessarily his fault, but you know, you're being compensated pretty well and you can't just be a, a coverage linebacker. I mean, nobody's asking you to be you know, TD or, or, or a Luke, but um, you know, just need a little bit more consistency out of him. Um, now that hopefully Perryman's playing next to him, it, it takes a little bit of the pressure off of him. But uh, that's uh, if I'm going into this and thinking that who has to have a big year, it, it's, it's Shaq because there's a chance that he could not be here next year. Um, because I believe his contract does have some outs in it uh, at that point. But I, I understand where you're coming from. I'm not too optimistic that Shaq takes any steps forward. I think at this point in his career, we're, we've, we've seen what we're going to see from Shaq. Uh, right. and, and, I, and I hate that. I, 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 Shaq's a great guy, um, and Shaq is a good player. But Shaq's not worth the contract he's under, um, and I think – I just, I just think he is what he is. I, I don't really have a whole lot more to add to that. It's we, we've seen the inconsistencies of his play, and it was really like, as you noted, it was really highlighted without Luke out there. Um, 
I mean, Luke made everyone around him better. So. Yeah, you, you, you summed it up pretty well. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think that, like I said, I don't think that Shaq's going to make some huge jump and you, you nailed it that he most likely is a player that he, that he has shown us so far, but I think it's just on field production. Something has to change, whether his tackles um, increases significantly, you know, maybe he adds a, a few more stat- sacks. Just, I just need something. Just give me, give me anything really. Just, it just seemed like there was a stretch there for a while where, you know, he was just getting burnt in coverage and it's just like, but the team just continued to line him up on the same guys and we just never learned from it. And I think that might've partially just been on other personnel. I think we'll approach guys that, that Shaq would have probably been covering very differently this year with the way the secondary is formed. I just don't think we had the choice. Um, and, and it put Shaq in a, in a compromising position. Yeah. We were just throwing things together and kind of seeing what's, what sticks there for a while, but um, you, what you just hinted at, it's just probably having Chin more so on, on those guys now that he's yep. going to switch back to, you know, the safety role and not really be uh, as much as a hybrid. Um, so, yeah, that that's especially like guys like Kyle Pitts. I mean, those are guys where you're going to have to put Jeremy Chin on when they line up inside. You know, you can't you know, throw or, a or even JC. Like, I, yeah. I, it would not surprise me if they pulled JC in for some for for certain instances like that, especially having to play Atlanta twice a year. It would not shock me if you take JC and just shadow him. Yeah, he held Kyle Pitts to his lowest game in college. I mean, we we've discussed this all on previous episodes, but um, it's it's nice to have those options when you can say I'll either take Chin or I'll put um, JC on him, and then trying to not worry about everything else. And and I mean, JC is and to go ahead and I guess go to 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 the secondary there. JC and and Dante are going to be starting on the outside, and and after his suspension, you'll have Bouye um, playing nickel. But in that scenario, if you if you wanted to have JC shadow somebody, all you have to do is take AJ and put him on put him on the other outside. He's more than capable. He's done it before. Um, and so then you have JC shadowing with Dante and AJ on the outside, uh, Burris and Chin back there and back there deep as your safeties. And so I mean that gives you flexibility. You can do you can have Chin shadow, and then you've got um, AJ Bouye to be able to move around, um, or you do it with with horn and then you've got chin to be able to move around it's just, it's whatever you want to do there flexibility is such a nice thing to finally have uh just seeing phil snow run different schemes and not just sticking to a like you know four three or three four um just giving different looks throughout the game i know that was one of the big things that stood out uh, in the green bay game uh, aaron Rodgers said that that you know he just couldn't get a feel for the defense because you're giving a quarterback so many different looks. But when you can take somebody like Jeremy Chin or J.C. Horn and you can put those on certain guys and and show different looks and and move guys at different positions, you know, that's that's key because you look at the like Reddick, um, you can move him to uh, linebacker. You can um, you know run a run a three man front. There's so much so many different things that you can do that that's. And, and now that you have the personnel, that's why I expect this defense to, to make that jump. I mean, you're adding somebody like JC, um, who is actually that tall, long corner that can shut guys down. You know, just even adding that with the speed that we have and, like I said, Phil Snow's defensive schemes. Those are things that are that are going to translate, and that's why expectations for the defense should be so high. Um, I said it on last week's episode, but I think this defense should be top 10 and should challenge for top five because if you look at it, on paper, there's no reason that they shouldn't, especially with the improvements that they made late in the last season. Yep. And I mean, when you look at from top to bottom guys, that are going to give you significant minutes this year. Brian Burns, Daquan Jones, Derek Brown, 
Eter Grossmatos, Ravion Broy, Shaq Thompson, Denzel Perryman, Hassan Reddick, Dante Jackson, Jeremy Chin, JC Horn, Justin Burris. There, there, there really is just one, one weakness there. And Burris is good. And that, that's your one weakness is free safety there. Or strong safety, sorry. Ch- Jeremy Chin's at free safety. Burris is good. Burris has shown flashes of being pretty darn good. Um, is he great? No. But if that's your one spot, with everything else I've mentioned there and depth behind the guys I've mentioned. I mean, you Morgan Fox, Davion Nixon, Marquise Haynes, uh, Frankie Louvu, uh, Jermaine Carter, Boye. That that's, I mean, that's a solid group of depth behind all that. And, and I mean, we've seen injuries happen to just about every year to, to our core group. So that's important too. Right. And, and linebackers, probably the group that we can't have anybody go down uh, in. I mean, so your backups that you probably see get playing time this year is probably just Luvu and uh, Christian Miller. But out, I mean, outside of that, it's it's really kind of a crapshoot. So that's the one group that I would not want an injury from, but five deep at that position. Okay. Well, it, you know, it's not great, but it is what it is. And then like you mentioned with Burris, I mean, he probably has Sam Franklin backing him up. So those are, you know, the two guys that are going to be fighting for that position, but everything else is pretty much set in stone. Like you said, Chin's moving to free safety. Dante will be on the outside. JC will be uh, on the other side as him, and you'll put uh, AJ on the inside. It'll be nickel. So injuries is the one thing that you're worried about. I mean, it's like we talked about, you know what you're getting out of Jeremy. You know, you're to have somebody along like Denzel playing alongside him, and, and Denzel is a ball hawker. I mean, he's going to, you know, go after guys and, and, and be where the play is. So having that where Jeremy didn't have that last year, he was kind of the guy that, you know, mimicked most so far, like what Luke did so well out there outside of like, you know, the diagnosing plays or knowing what they were coming, you know, before the snap, but just being right there. I mean, he led the team in tackles as a rookie, you know, so just, just having, having the versatility, those, those are big things that are, you know, I'm, I'm, and why I'm so hopeful that, that we're going to take that next jump uh, this this coming season. Okay. One question, just looking at the depth charts and, and everything, what have you written off? And then we've talked about it before. Um, and I know my answer to this, have you written off Troy pride jr. Um, at, completely? At no, I know. I just, I mean, the injury sucked. Um, he was kind of thrown in there last year. Nobody really saw him getting significant playing time. He has the physical tools. He has the speed, but um you know, and maybe this year it'll be a little bit easier for him where he's just coming in and, and, and giving guys, you know, some breaks. You know, hopefully, you know, everybody stays healthy. Interested to see what he does in preseason. Um, you know, it's going to be kind of him and Keith Taylor backing up now. Or yeah. Stanley Thomas I, Auburn, I believe, is still out of that class. Yeah, and we have Rashawn Melvin. We have um, – who else do we have? That's really the main ones – Thomas Oliver, Rashawn Melvin, Troy Pride, Keith Taylor, and and Boye as kind of your other options in the secondary after the starters. I, I haven't written Troy Pride off, but I need to see see him take a take a next step or improvement or the game you know come to him. Um, most of his struggles last year were it was just with technique. Um, like I said, I mean, a guy that runs a, a four three forty shouldn't be you know letting guys behind him. So those are uh, just the things that I'll be watching with him, but. I think, like I said, with him him taking a back seat and not having to get as many snaps, 
Um, it'll let him learn and, and kind of pick up the game quicker. And having somebody like JC there and those other guys where he's practicing alongside each day, there's going to help him grow as a player uh, even more. Yeah, I, I don't want to say that I've written him off, but I've written him off. What I've seen from him has not been good. Obviously, we all know that it, it's been pretty bad, and I don't see him getting the opportunities to really prove it. Otherwise, he may get better in practice and all that. But I don't see there being the opportunity for him to ever really prove it, injuries aside. And, I mean, we saw what he had to do injury with injuries last year, what, what, what he was able to contribute. And so I'm just not – I'm not sold that he would have – he would be a good depth piece um, to have there. But I could be proven wrong. He, like you said, he's got all the athletic, athletic ability in the world. Um, I liked the pick when it was made, so – I mean, how many times have we said uh, something about Dante relying too much on his speed or um, always going for the interception? And and that's the thing. I mean, Dante's in a you know contract year too, so he's he's got to make a jump too. I mean, he's been nagged by turf toe or foot injuries. Um, you know, he's, he's been benched. His play hasn't always been great. He hasn't taken uh, criticism well. You think back to his rookie year um, and, and how all that went down. I think – He's not my answer for this, but I mean, Dante is a, definitely a potential for somebody that ha, has the possibility to take the biggest step forward on this entire defense, because I think adding JC takes all the pressure off of him. He, without, without Bradbury, he became, I mean, we, we haven't had a number one corner since Bradbury. We yeah, just, we haven't. And so, and Dante's that's put a lot of pressure on Dante because Dante is the type that I think with his attitude and his swagger, he put that pressure on himself. He's like, I'm the guy. I'm going to be the guy. And he's got all the physical tools in the world to be that guy, but he wasn't quite ready mentally, I don't think. Right. Um, and, he, and he is a, you know, a little bit smaller. I mean, he's, he, he's not somebody of JC's height. He's not, he can't take those bigger, stronger receivers that we have in, in this division. Um, but he's more of a guy who's uh, better equipped to match up with, you know, Antonio Brown or Chris Godwin, um, Calvin Ridley. He's not somebody you need to put on Julio or Michael Thomas. I mean, he's held his own, but I, he's the he's the guy that I think is probably going to have uh, the most improvement as far as uh, stats go, just because of him switching more so to not taking the number one guy and, and taking the number two guy on each team. But it's um, yeah, I think that I think this defense is going to depend a lot on what he does um, on that side of the ball. Yep, I don't, I don't disagree so um to segue what you just said let's pick let's each pick our um our breakout player our our biggest jump player going into next year if you had to pick one i mean the the obvious one is going to be is going to be yours i do know that um and that's kind of i'm trying to pick somebody opposite of that just to give a different opinion Uh, i think somebody who is going to have the would you say biggest impact or um, biggest or jump from biggest jump from last year or just from I mean, just biggest jump in their career biggest okay yeah I'll I'll stay I'll stay Dante I think that he's... I think that's a good the, the good secondary answer without both of us saying the same thing yeah that's and, just that was kind of my my reasoning for that yeah and and I think everyone knows based on my five minute discussion about him earlier, my answer is Brian Burns. I think he takes that next step forward and becomes that, that superstar on our defense. Um, we put all the tools around him to be able to do so. There's finally a secondary that they can, they can help with some pressure sacks. There's um, other defensive line pieces that are going to take a step forward this year. 
Uh, and that defense, that defensive line is just going to be nasty, man. I, I'm excited to watch that. And um, you can't he, double team anybody on that on that front four. No, and and Burns will be the, in my opinion, the main beneficiary from that, just being the youngest, the fastest, the most gifted at this point in his career. Um, so to take to segue off of that, who do you think of the draft picks and the free agent signings will be, will have the biggest impact this year? It's JC. The reason I say that is because of what that adds to our defense. Yeah, we, we didn't have we didn't have a number one corner. And mm-hmm. it, I think there's two possible answers. I think JC is the one because we were never going to be able to shut anybody down without a corner. I mean, just. But to piggyback on what I was saying with Burns to not have the same answer as you, I'll say Hassan. Um, I think that's huge to have a better a veteran pass rusher. Um, across from Burns and to free up the, for them to be able to not scheme solely to stop Burns. Because if you do, then Hassan's going to have him another 12 sack year. I mean, and and, how hungry do you still think he is because of people saying that, you know, his last season was a joke, mm-hmm. um, was a fluke. And he's, he's not being compensated like one of the top, you know, defensive players in the league. I mean, he was fourth in the league in sacks last year. And yes, a, a good chunk of those did come in the uh, game against the giants, but the, I mean, you, you, Look at what that adds is having a legit threat opposite of your all pro defensive lineman. Just I'm, you, you uh, start to think that this, this team could lead the league in sacks. Uh, and, and I mean, it, Derek Brown is an, is an interior guy who can also get that interior pressure for you. He's he got not, double teamed a lot last year. Yeah. And, and teams finally re- realized last year, just how good, of a defensive tackle Derek Brown is. And, and I'm not sure Panthers fans quite know that yet. I don't, I don't, I don't know if the, the average Panther fan watching just realizes, realizes just how good Derek Brown is. This is a hot take. And I think Corey shares the same sentiment as I do, but I think Etor has the potential to be every bit as good as Brian. I, I think he's, he's got the physical tools. He's got, he mm-hmm. is a physical specimen out there. I, I, um, I don't know that he's quite, I don't know that he would be quite to that level, but I mean, he's a, he's a guy that's got potential to be in that eight, nine, 10 sack range um, opposite of Burns. I mean, I guess starting next year, because I don't think he's going to get the opportunity this year with the son. But uh, yeah, I definitely could see that taking shape starting next year. He might be the biggest beneficiary as far as from a learning perspective um, with with Hassan and, and Burns in front of him. Yeah. But he hasn't really had the opportunity yet a la Burns in his rookie year didn't really get the opportunity um, to show what he had. And, and you saw that step forward. So, uh, I mean, maybe we see that step forward from him. I don't know that the opportunity will fully be there though. Yeah. I don't know too many players that won uh, defensive rookie of the month and then got relegated to being gunner on special teams. <laughs> uh, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll hold comment further on that one. What a what a a story this Brian Burns guy is. He was playing special teams just a year ago, and now could be all pro. Well, hey, gosh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Ron could ever justify that. I'm really not sure there is anything that he could have ever said uh, to make that decision, especially with how Burns produced. And then, oh, yes, that if you put him in the doghouse because you got mad because of how he hurt his hand, okay, sure, whatever. Uh, that's a Ron that story. I so, it's such so Ron. Uh, and I love the guy to death. I really do. It was just time for something different. 
I'll always say Ron's loyalty to his staff uh, is what cost him. Not just his staff, but two players, I think, to a fault as well. Two certain players. Mm. And not to certain players. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I I just just the doghouse stuff and and sticking with veterans and not trusting in young guys and and it's just it, the veterans always got the benefit of the doubt with Ron I think and the young guys didn't. Oh well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Just think about the changes they made. Like I mentioned before, the Andrew Norwell thing that just became came you know something that had to happen in desperation. Josh Norman playing that was a desperation move instead of playing you know the older guys that were in front of him. And it, and it basically took the season to be lost at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And then he made the changes and things turned around. And and that, I guess that's kind of what I mean by loyalty to the players. He, he just was a veteran type, type of coach. He was not – he was never one to, to lean towards the young talent and, and give the young talent the opportunity to shine, I think. Yeah, you had two all-pro guys just sitting on your bench. Right, yeah. But you'd rather play a 33-year-old who can't cover anything. But, hey – Ron, I mean, like I said, those are my only only nitpicks against Ron. Um, outside of that, really, there really wasn't anything else. It's just his loyalty, pretty much, is is what did him in here. All right, um, we haven't mentioned special teams at all. Do we want to mention it on this defensive? Uh, we can talk about what we thought should have happened during the draft, where we were all pulling for uh, Jose Borealis for uh, Miami to be drafted or at least be signed um, after the draft. I mean, this is the guy who was arguably the top kicker uh, in college football last year uh, from the University of Miami, Luke Rosa, award winner. And where did he end up signing? He signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, and um, I mean, say what you want about Sly. He hasn't been great. Uh, got a big leg. Accuracy has been a problem. Um, you can kick it 100 yards. If you don't make the field goal, you don't make the field goal. Um, not too thrilled that the only kicker on our roster going into the season is Sly. There is no competition currently there. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I've been – honestly, honestly, I've been done with Sly since he had to fill in for Gano. And then, I mean, I don't care if you can kick the ball 67 yards, but if you can't make a field goal when I need it, then what good are you? I mean, I know a lot of people got upset when Gano had his little uh, stretch uh, where he you know, missed some extra points, missed some field goals there in crunch time. And, yeah, Graham, Graham made a lot of kicks under pressure, but those little things eventually added up. Like, I, I didn't necessarily want to keep Graham, but also it didn't take very long for me to figure out that Sly wasn't the guy that I wanted. Yeah, I, I think we, we've noted that we're, we were all in uh, Jose's camp uh, for drafting or um, having that contract in his hand as soon as the draft ended. Because uh, especially, I mean, all respect to, to Phil Hoskins, but I mean, and Thomas Fletcher even, uh, when, we, when we drafted another defensive tackle or a backup long snapper, um, what, what we should have – look to address kicker it's been a problem um and then from that we can go right into long snapper we drafted thomas fletcher um to to presumably be be the long snapper of the future do you think we roll with jj for that one for one more year on his contract or do you think his dead money is cut and fletcher wins that job 
I think it just kind of depends on if there's anybody out there we, we can upgrade at another position or bring in a, a body elsewhere. I, I'll kind of contradict myself, but I don't think you pay two long snappers to be on the roster. I know JJ's been here for several, several years. I mean, he's going back. He's the last remaining player from the Fox era. So you, um, you, you, he's been great. He's been an all pro at that position. And it's crazy to think that, you know, Fletcher's going to come in and, and be that, but that's what, but he is like, he's by all accounts considered to be the, you know, the best long snapper in this class. And, um, and when he comes in, he's going to be probably the best one in the league um, from all reports. So I, I, you know, it, it's, it, it would suck to, you know, let JJ go, but I think, you know, he wasn't going to play, but one more, one or two more seasons um, prior to this past season, I believe that was report in the off season. So I, I think he's probably cut. Um, you're looking at Fletcher being the guy. And now that I'm actually sitting here thinking about special teams, special teams is the weakest part of this roster with Charlton Sly and just, just those two, just those two in general, because mm-hmm. you don't know what you're going to get out of them. Uh, mine and your opinion on Charlton have been very clear. We talked about how, um, how many punts he muffed last year during preseason or camp, I should say. Um, Corey's kind of been the guy sticking up for him a little bit, but those are two that I would be happy with if neither of those guys were starting um, at the end of preseason. Yeah. And, and, to what you said, there were multiple accounts that, that Thomas Fletcher would be the best long snapper in the NFL right now without ever having taken a snap in the NFL. So I don't see how you can continue with JJ, uh, sentimental things aside, um, with that being the case. Um, and then we do have someone else in camp, Oscar Dragusevich for punter out of, uh, I want to say, I think it's Central Florida based on the, the note that I have in front of me. Um, so take that for what it's worth. That's some punter competition. I could not tell you anything about him, but could not agree more. That's kind of why I wanted to bring it up. I was, I was looking at the depth chart here and, um, just kind of stewing about the, the kicker situation still. Um, and just noticing how bad it really is with Charlton Sly. I'm just thinking in my head, like, is there not any better options out there to at least bring in some competitions? Because I know there's got to be some veterans out there who are at least a little bit more reliable. There's got to be somebody we can at least bring in as a camp leg just to see what happens in a, in a right. preseason leg. Um, and they're good. They're, they're, they're dumb if they don't with, 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 with slash track record. So fingers crossed that, that at least there's some sort of competition and, and stress on, on slide to, to figure it out or you're done. My one saving grace is that they're going to, they're just waiting to see what these other teams do that have two kickers signed. Cause I, uh, I think that Tampa actually, um, brought in Ryan suck up. I don't remember if he was a kicker last year or not. And that's, what's going to bother me, especially I should have looked this up before we went to record. Yep. And then it's yep. suck up. So they yep. have, I mean, so, I mean, you're going to have some teams that have a veteran guy and a young guy. One of them is not going to make it. I mean, famously we've let a top about what four years ago, we let a top five kicker walk right out of our, our facility. So. Yeah, we chose to keep uh, Gano, who Over had Bucker. a yeah, who had a had a nice extension. Yeah, for Bucker. Yeah, and so that's why we're in this position. We could probably we would have a kicker for the next ten years if we didn't didn't do that. I, I know Goskowski hasn't been that great um, over the last year. He's kind of had some struggles ever since you know the playoffs. Um, I think the the year before last, but he's a he's a free agent. I mean, that's somebody who's thirty seven, but a veteran you can bring in to you know kick for a year or two if things work out i don't know man i'm i'm really just uh, i'm ready to move on from the slide 
um, error. <laughs> uh, it's just, I just need a little bit more consistency. The game's on the line. We're going to be in a lot of close games. We were in a lot of close games last year, and he missed three or four game-winning or game-tying field goals late. And, you know, you're going into year two, and you can't keep having those things happen. Now you should start to win some of those games and turn it around. Those 50-50 games, shouldn't, you shouldn't go 0-8 in those. You should, you know, at least get to 4-4. Four and four. Yeah. All right. And then from there, punt returner, kick returner, we've already mentioned those names. Um, I think for punt returner, you're probably looking at, at, at Shy. Yeah, Shy is probably your punt returner. Um, I don't know who the other name was that I mentioned in, in an episode. Reggie. Yeah, that was it, Reggie. Um, and then I think at kick returner, you're looking at Reggie, Shy, maybe DJ factors in somewhere in there at punt returner or kick returner. No. Yeah, after his um, rookie year, yeah, I would. Yeah. And plus I, injuries. Yeah, it, just for the injuries' sake, I, I don't want um, wide receiver one, wide receiver two back there, preferably unless you've just got a guy who's a game changer and you just can't not put him back there. And I don't think DJ's that game changer at, at return. You might see one of the guys – who's the guy they signed from uh, Newberry, that running back? You might see him back there um, getting some, some in training camp or – um, uh, that's probably his only way to make the roster. Rodney, is no, Rod, Rodney's from uh, Minnesota. Uh, he was he, he got some uh, action. I think only no Trenton Cannon still on this roster or not. Darius Clark, Daniel, Mike, Mikey, Daniel, and Spencer Brown are the other. I don't even know if Trenton Cannon's on the roster. I'm trying to find the name you're talking about. Those are the names that are all showing up for running back. We've got McCaffrey, Trenton Cannon, Reggie Bonifon, Chuba Hubbard, Rodney Smith, Darius Clark. Mikey Daniel and Spencer Brown. I don't recognize those names as that guy. I know who you're talking about. I cannot remember his name. I'm trying to find it. Uh, Darius Clark. Okay. Yeah. That was the one that, yeah, he was at the, the hub workout. So, and I know he was uh, just from reading stuff on him because it was a cool story. Uh, he was more of a like pass catcher type running back, kind of like McCaffrey, in at least like how his skill set is. Not that he's anywhere close to that, but you know, a guy trying to make a roster, I, I'm sure they'll probably put him back there at some point during camp and see what sticks. But I think realistically, you're looking at Reggie and Shy at least being kick returners, and one of those two guys being your punt returner. At least that's how they're in their immediate role um, to getting on the field. Reggie, um, not really sure how things are going to be affected with him and Chuba. You know, I guess those two guys are going to be competing for uh, backup running back. Just looking at it, I, I'm not 100% certain that we get both Shy and Reggie on the, the roster because of that that running back um, backlog you just talked about. I mean, there's – That's where some cuts are going to happen for sure. And, and then, then Chuba – and Chuba's not going to be one of them. So, you, you, Christian and Chuba are locks. Um and it's just a matter of – I feel like Reggie would at least have trade value. Probably. I mean, Reggie's good. Don't get me wrong. I just don't do – you, do you cut bait on Reggie or do you cut bait on a draft pick and shy? And, and I'm not saying that, that that's a decision they have to make, but I'm not sure they carry three running backs or four really? running backs with Trenton Cannon possibly too and carry one, two, three, four, six receivers. Realistically, I think they cut um... – Cannon, they cut Clark, they cut Miles Hartsfield, and that Rodney Smith is probably that fourth guy. I don't know. One of those guys, one of those guys are going to be on the practice squad. And I don't, you're not going to, 
it could be Rodney. I mean, he played some last year, but don't, he's the guy that least, I mean, excites me the least. Yeah. So the, that kick returner, putt returner spot could be really important in what, into what decides um, running back three, running back four, wide receiver six discussions. Yeah, you're, as far as wide receiver goes, I think you're cutting Keith Kirkwood, um, Zilstra's on the bubble, and then there's some other names of guys that you know, like we don't know. Outside of Omar Bayless, uh, Omar Bayless is probably the guy that I think will be right there for the last roster spot. Him, Zilstra, and Kirkwood are probably fighting it out for that. But I think Kirkwood was mainly just brought in just because he had former ties to Matt Rule and Bridgewater um, when, when he was with the Saints. But he played a couple of snaps last year and then broke his clavicle. So, you really didn't see anything that he got to do. But I think, yeah, Shy is safe. Um, I don't think we're pulling another one uh, like we did with Godwin when we drafted him and, and cut him. And hit. that could have helped out with our punt return issues there for a while. Um, yep. But I think receiver, we, we talked about that last week. It's DJ Robbie, uh, Terrace, David Moore, Shy. And then we were torn between Zilstra and, like I said, Omar, I think. For what it's worth, our lads has David Moore as the punt returner, Trenton Cannon as the kick returner. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, David Moore's got the speed, but he's not somebody who I think at this point in his career is they're going to put back there. Yeah, that's – I mean, I, I wouldn't hate it, but I don't know that, that I see it happening. He could be a good option to have if, if Shy is not active for a game or, or whatever. I, I still – I think for me – I think punt returner is Shy's best shot at making the team. I think our best shot at not being shy. That's his best spot shot at playing for the team um, in any real capacity this year. Um, and I just think he probably the best suited for it, to be honest. On if, the team. If Terrace beats out David Moore for that number three spot, then that's the only scenario I really see where David's going to a punt return. And I think Terrace does beat out David Moore for that three spot. But just, also in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, I would kind of prefer Shy back there. I would too. David was a safety sign, just in case. I'd, it, it, I mean, you needed it. You needed it just in case it didn't happen. But you couldn't have passed on Terrace. Right, and you know, to to have a guy who you know 500 yards receiving and and you know four touchdowns in that offense last year with those guys above him coming in to be your safety signing, pretty damn good. Yep, I agree. Um, we've talked at length about the plethora of weapons that Darnold has and should do something with this year. No need to go into it too much. Right. I mean, we're talking about now the offensive line is shored up and, you know, get the ball out quick. Sam doesn't have to do anything crazy. These are things that we talked about, but just a rehash. All right. Well, I think that does it for defense and special teams coming up soon. We have training camp officially starting. Yeah, I walked outside earlier today, and it's uh, you know, not that bad here. I think it's like 75, and it had just finished raining. And I was like, man, it feels like a, an early September day. Kind of made you think that football is right around the corner. I know it's not because it'll be 90 here tomorrow, but <laughs> um, it was uh, it is nice to to you know to to realize that that's close and so to have those days where um, you can actually attend games again. So yeah, we haven't had those 90 degree days in Spartanburg yet. So that those are coming. Yeah, Spartanburg in August is everybody's favorite time of year. <laughs> uh, I don't know what it is, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I know I got an email today about Fan Fest coming up and and Fan Fest tickets. So you know that's you know right around the kickoff of of everything. So 
I'm interested, man. I'm interested to see what happens. A lot of exciting stuff coming up. Just really hoping everybody stays healthy um, and we don't have any significant injuries before uh, we leave Spartanburg because, God, that would really um, put a damper on the excitement that I have for this upcoming season. And mainly just because um, I don't have to watch Teddy Bridgewater play quarterback anymore. I had no little to no excitement going into the Panther season last season. Uh, I mean, it was kind of a, a running joke to when I was talking about it. I mean, I just, I wanted to just go 0 and 16 and, and I know no fans should ever do that, but going into the, the Trevor Lawrence draft, it's just like, you're either going to get Trevor. If you go 0 and 16, you're either going to get Trevor Lawrence. Or you can trade the pick, trade the, trade the pick for every draft pick ever that that team has after um, <laughs> you can get a whole draft worth of picks for it. So it's just like, I, I did not believe in Teddy and, and I'm not saying Sam is a great quarterback. I think Sam will be a proficient quarterback. I think Sam will take a step forward and Sam will be good enough. And I'm excited about that because of everything we have around him. Last year was probably the weirdest year since the, since the Clawson year. And I, I think that's obviously because, you know, we're probably with one of our worst seasons since then, but just everything in general. I mean, there was a lot of different factors. Obviously, couldn't go to games um, for the majority of the season. Cam um, saga. Yeah, the cam thing. Then you lose Luke. Um, you know, you don't – you know, what what franchise loses both franchise players Three, in the same really? offseason? And it gets a new coach in. Great. And, yeah, and signs uh, a quarterback that immediately is disliked to a huge contract. And then, you know, I remember week one, I was watching the game at the house and it's like, you know, Teddy completed a few passes on the opening drive. Like, all right, maybe, you know, maybe this will be all right. And just, it wasn't, it wasn't, he never was what he was supposed to be. Not, he was never good at the things that he was supposed to be good at. Narrator. It was not all right. Yeah. (laughs) This is how we got in the situation. So I'm sure now people will have the issue to complain about Sam versus Justin, but, um, he, he's hopefully motivated. We'll, we'll see. We'll find out really quick how this season's going to go with him as our quarterback. And as much as I wanted Justin Fields, I want everybody that starts that argument to take a step back and look at what J.C. Horn does for this defense this year. Right. And, and you're talking to somebody who was visibly upset on our draft night when Fields was still on the board and they took Horn. I understood the move, but I was still like, God, that is – you. As you've seen in, in football, the franchise quarterback has historically been the most important piece. But I think that if you take a step back and look at what Horn does, JC does for this defense, and what Darnold can do with what's around him, it was the better move for this team. How great does this, does this team look if Sam takes that jump? This, it's a great – it's a – it's tough. It's not a division winner. It's tough to say it's a division winner with with what T- Tampa has put together, but it's a playoff team coming off of what, what a disaster of a 2020. Um, and you're one or two pieces away from being that division winner next year um, and, and owning the NFC South for years to come because Brady's gone. Breeze is gone the Falcons roster just does not look good anymore. And Matt Ryan is pretty much done. I mean, you're, you're in position to own this league, own this division for the next, what, five, five years until things kind of rotate back again. Having a franchise quarterback changes everything. Yep. And we have not had one since 
Thursday night game in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and and then, as I said before, Darnold can be good enough to be the franchise quarterback with if, if we've got the weapons around him. I don't think Darnold will ever be an elite quarterback or anything like that, but he can be good enough. Just take some chances. All you, that's all you have to do to make me happy. Don't yeah. throw checkdowns on third and third and eight. So, and and part of that I wonder is if that's the coaching staff losing faith in him too on the play calling. I mean, I'm sure it was, man. You go back and watch some of those highlights, and 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 then the uh, post game press conferences and Matt Rule's comments, and you you can see pretty clearly that Green Bay game was when he was like, "All right, that's just I've seen enough." I'm. This is not a popular take, but I'm still not sure that Rule's seat shouldn't be a little warm. Uh, but that's a different discussion. Well, this year's going to answer a lot of questions. I mean, you can't sign somebody to a seven-year deal with and pay them that much money and give them, you know, a significant control of the franchise and bring in your guy and we'll sign off on everything and you get the staff that you wanted and you don't make that jump. This is a big year for him and it has to, you know, some 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 improvement has to be there, um, especially with this guy, what he, what he was able to do at Temple and turn it around and then um, do the same thing at Baylor. And this has kind of been his mantra. So uh, that's why I'm expecting a, a big year. And I'm hoping that, like I said, we avoid injuries and the guys who are supposed to make those jumps do make those jumps because uh, that's going to put this franchise back on the right track and, and get us back to where we want to be. And um, I just, I'm, I'm interested to see how everything shakes out. I'm interested to see um, how this team is built moving forward. Uh, yeah, I think that probably does it for this episode. Uh, defense is a little, little less to cover than the offense, uh, but I think we may hit on some good points. Um, any uh, anything you want to add before we get out of here? Just that I'm excited about the defense. I'm, I've mentioned it on the offensive pod. I'm more of an offensive-minded guy, and, and that's where I tend to have my, my knowledge and analysis because that's what I played um, in high school and just knowing more about that side of the ball. But I'm just excited to watch this defense and the step forward that I think it's going to take. Um, I, I, like you said, I think should very well be a top 10 and has the potential to be a top five defense um, because of the pass rush that we can get and the improvements in the secondary. Yeah, clearly we're pretty optimistic about this team going in this offseason, I mean, going in this upcoming season. Um Obviously, we, we've spoke clearly about why that is, the things that we're excited about not having to watch anymore. So I think, the, you know, looking at the defense as a whole, the defensive line is something that you should be excited about. Having JC is something you should be excited about. And then replacing Tahir Whitehead with Denzel Perryman, that is an underrated signing. Yeah, and, and on top of that, you're watching stars like Jeremy Chin and Brian Burns take that next step too. So it, it, it's a young defense full of talented players. And Christian McCaffrey is back and healthy on the offensive side of the ball. The best offensive weapon in football. Sam doesn't have to be great. Sam just doesn't have to turn the ball over. Yep. And I'm not going to listen to anyone else's argument that there's a better offensive weapon in, in football than, than Christian McCaffrey. There's not. He got a lot of money for a running back, but he's not just a running back. We've had that discussion before. I never wanted to get rid of him, but I'm glad he's back. So going to wrap it up, guys. Uh, thanks for listening to us on another uh, episode of the 704 cast. We'll be back uh, in the next week or so. 
Um, we'll kind of look at things and see uh, how well the preseason is going to shake out. So, till next time. Appreciate you guys. Let's do this. Later.